0: This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 1030 a.m. and 230 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. It's a good testament to the leaders of this church and to you, the church members, that you allow me to speak this evening. Um, it's very humbling to have this privilege. And first and foremost, it's a testament to God's forgiveness and his wonder, wonderful, marvelous, ever-present grace. You're here today um, possibly to listen to some, some teaching, I hope I have something in this lesson that will help you or maybe it'll prompt you to help someone else. What is a Christian? A Christian is one who believes in the teachings of Jesus. One of the first traits that people recognize about a Christian is their honesty. Today, Along with honesty, we're going to investigate three of those other traits that make up a Christian. And in the first part of this lesson, we're going to go through a short history of God's command, covenants, and the transfer of the power to Christ. The traits are truth, holiness, having salt, and having mercy. Let's start with truth. Can a Christian be considered righteous without the truth? Let's look at John 14, 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Here Christ is teaching... The apostles are trying to understand what he's about. In an earlier verse, he had mentioned that he goes to prepare a place for them, and they thought he meant an actual city here on earth. Uh, Jesus goes on to say that he is the truth and he is the life. How do we find his truth? A follower of Christ believes that the whole Bible is the true inspired word of God. The Apostle Paul wrote about this in the letter to Timothy. Let's look at 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show yourself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The Bible is in two parts. You have the Old Testament, you have the New Testament. You have the Old Covenant, you have the New Covenant. The entire Bible has 66 books. The Old Testament with 39, the New with 27. The New Testament has the Gospels. It has the history of conversion, letters, and prophecy. The Old Testament has books of law, history, poetry, and prophecy. God created a covenant for the Jews in the Old Testament. Let's look at 1 Kings 8 9. There was nothing in the ark. And here, the ark he's talking about, it's not uh, Noah's ark. It's the ark of the covenant uh, in which they built to, to hold the covenant. There was nothing in the ark save the two tablets of stone which Moses put there at Orab. Then the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. When he noticed they couldn't keep the law, he provides a new covenant through the sacrifice of his only son. Hebrews 8, 6. But now he hath attained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. The new covenant was prophesied about. It was prophesied about by the prophet Jeremiah and this was long before it was instituted by God. Let's look at Jeremiah 31 31 Behold the days come saith the Lord I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Because the Jews rejected Christ this covenant was extended to every nation and the power of our mighty creator was transferred to Christ. Matthew 28, 8. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world our holy and infinite God in his wisdom provided a pathway to righteousness for his children this also includes forgiveness this brings us to number two can a Christian be considered holy without forgiveness why should I forgive someone if they've hurt me maybe they need to be punished Let's look at the personality traits that Paul gave to the Colossians. Colossians 3.12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. We live in a society today where the central focus is on self-rights. The train of thought is... Constantly on self. If someone commits the slightest variance of an offense, we think we're within our rights to vent our emotions on that person. We may, at even some point, think about getting revenge. Most of the time, it's just a misunderstanding. A lot of times, all that's needed is to ask a question about the perceived offense. Why? Why ask a question because hurt can cause hate. Let's look at Luke 17:3. Take heed to yourselves if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. Here Christ is teaching and warning us to be careful about giving offense and to forgive the injuries done to us. 1 John 2:11 but he that hateth his brother, is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whether he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I, that reminds me of a story I read about. It is about a man that had been bitten by a rabid dog, and um, he went to the doctor, and. Uh, this uh, alleged story took place before modern blood transfusions and before antiviral drugs. He went to the doctor. The doctor checked him out and said, Yes. He said, You've got the symptoms. He said, I hate to give you the bad news, but you need to get your affairs in order. And then the doctor, as the story goes, the doctor stepped out of the room. When he stepped back in, the man had found a piece of paper and he was writing on it. And the doctor said, you know, you have time to get your will together. It's not immediate. You know, you do have time to get your will together. And the man just turned and looked at the doctor and said, I'm not writing a will. I'm uh, writing a list of all the people I'm going to bite. So, so brothers and sisters, <laughs> It truly is walking in darkness when we come to the end of our life and we want revenge. I've heard it said that hating someone is wishing they were dead, but you drink the poison. Jesus knew that forgiveness was a central truth that that needed to be followed. So important that he included it in the Lord's Prayer. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forget our debtors. That's the key verse right there. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the power this is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Difficulties trigger a wide range of emotions within us. Our holy and righteous God, in his infinite wisdom, gave us a way of processing the hurt. Ephesians 4:32. "And be ye kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We should forgive. We should pray. We should repent. Seek out God's comfort. We should remember his promises and claim them. Here are a couple of those promises. Let's look at uh, John 14, 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Revelation 3.5 records another promise. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father, and before his angels that brings us to number three can a christian be considered sanctified without salt well what's sanctification webster's definition of sanctification is the state of growing in divine grace as a result of christian commitment after baptism all right then well can we grow in divine grace without salt. Salt can be a preservative. Before refrigeration, it was used as a preservative, primarily to preserve meat. Over the generations, we've acquired a taste for salt. You've probably heard it said that when adding salt, something is seasoned. When I think of something seasoned, I think of it being savory you know, salty. But that's not all it can mean. It can also mean that it'll last for a season, a period of time, spring, summer, winter, fall. When another brother or a sister in Christ is talking to you, they, in a manner of speaking, are going out on a limb. What they're telling you they're hoping it will be accepted. They're monitoring you to see if they're being accepted. When you answer them, would it not be better for your answer to have grace and be something that will preserve them? Colossians 4.6, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt that you may know how to answer every man. I heard a story about a private during World War II. He was stationed overseas. And he was late for appointment, possibly some sort of training, and he was running full out. He was running down the sidewalk just full out. He went around the corner and around the corner of the barracks, and he wiped this other person out. I mean, just completely wiped them out. He got them up, apologized, and dusted dust them off. He looked, and it was General Eisenhower. He just wiped out General Eisenhower. Uh, General Eisenhower, at that time, was commander of the Allied invasion forces in Western Europe. It's said that, the, that General Eisenhower kind of gathered himself, kind of dusted himself off, and he looked at the soldier and he said, Private, it's a good thing you didn't run into a second lieutenant. Now there's a man that had grace and was seasoned with salt. I'm sure that General Eisenhower was seasoned with salt even in the beginning of his service to our country number four can a Christian be considered righteous without mercy what if we believe that every member of the church of Christ had been added by God himself how would you treat that person let's look at Matthew nine thirteen. but go ye but go ye, and learn that what that meaneth. I will have mercy, and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Here the apostle Paul addresses them in a very mild and humble manner. Paul had authority over them, but he beseeches them with the gentleness of Christ. I have another story, and you're gonna know this guy. It's the late, great Tom Landry. He was a National Football League coach. He was head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. He coached the Cowboys from 1960 to 1988, that's 29 years. During that tenure, they won two Super Bowls, 13 division titles, and they played in 12 championship games. They received the title as America's team. Those were not his greatest accomplishments with the Cowboys. He had a lot of special qualities that reflect Christian maturity. Some of those qualities that stand out are what I believe the Apostle Paul demonstrates in one of his letters to the Corinthians. Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and am base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. Here Paul addresses them in a mild manner. He had authority over them, but he beseeches them, with the gentleness of Christ. And Coach Landry, back to Coach Landry, he was fair-minded. He coached a lot of players that had problems. They had emotional problems, different things going on. Uh, He coached uh, one player, Tony Dorsett, a premier running back, running back, that at times frustrated Landry Tony made this comment reflecting on his years with the Cowboys. Maybe you didn't always like his decisions, but he was fair. He would listen to all sides of an issue and then decide what was best for the team. Tom Landry's career came to an abrupt halt when the new owner, Jerry Jones, fired him. Fans, coaches, players everywhere were appalled. This, however, was NFL coach Tom Landry's finest moment. To be a witness for Christ, he arose to the occasion. He responded to a reporter, I'm not bitter at all. I knew what I was doing when I tried to bring this team back. When asked about how he felt about the new owner, he simply said, I'm sure he could have handled it better, but he was new to this environment. I'm sure he was excited about owning the Cowboys, and I doubt his thoughts went much further than that. We must be growing to preserve others. You're either progressing or you're regressing. There's no middle ground. You're either preserving others or you're destroying yourself. Christianity truly is the basis of our salvation. Truth, forgiveness, sanctified by preserving others and having mercy. Tom Landry, and I'm not sure, maybe General Eisenhower, maybe they both knew about God's mercy. When we look at Jesus, and we're at a place that we know His righteousness and we compare our sinful nature to his holiness, it should bring about a sincere regret that moves us to a deep sorrow of repentance. An honest, sincere desire not to do better just for ourselves, but to do better for others as well. Luke 23, 33. And when they come to a place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Then as we look a little further down into the scripture, verse 39. And one of the malefactors which were, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answered, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds... But this man hath done nothing amiss. And then verse 42, And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest unto thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. I've heard it said later in our lives, If we arrive at the end of our finances, it will then force us to be frugal. If later in life, if we haven't taken care of our physical health, we will then be forced to be careful with it. The the same thing can be said about our spiritual well being. Except we shouldn't wait to take care of those things. We have a life worth living awaiting us right now. Our holy and righteous God is willing and able to forgive our sin and heal whatever our fault is. Maybe you just need prayer. Maybe you need to follow Jesus. Hear the word, believe it, repent, confess, and be baptized. Just one step of faith will lead you into God's mercy. Walk in the truth of his forgiveness. One step to having the calm assurance of everlasting life. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com. Or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.